DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with Tan Books, presents Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen. Dr. Thickpen is an internationally known speaker, best-selling author, and award-winning journalist who has published 43 books in a wide variety of genres and subjects, including The Rapture Trap, A Catholic Response to End Times Fever, and The Manual for Spiritual Warfare, the book on which this series is based. In 2008, Dr. Thickpen was appointed by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops to their National Advisory Council. He has served the Church as a theologian, historian, apologist, evangelist, and catechist in a number of settings, speaking frequently in Catholic and secular media broadcasts and at conferences, seminars, parish missions, and scholarly gatherings. Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Paul, thanks for joining me. Chris, great to be here. God bless. Keep the enemy out of the camp. Boy, now that's solid spiritual advice, isn't it? Well, you know, if, if you're going to win, you, you just don't want to be opening the doors of your fortress to the enemy. I, you know, in the scripture, I talk about the Trojan horse, that well-known story of how you have the, the Greeks besieging the city of Troy for years and years, and they couldn't get in, they couldn't get in. And the way they finally got in was by uh, creating a, a very beautiful uh, horse figure that was large enough for them to put troops inside and leaving it on the gates of the city and making it look like they had abandoned the fight. And 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 the Trojans, the people of Troy, were so taken in by the beauty of it, and they thought, oh, this lovely gift, let's bring it in. And then overnight, the Greeks came out, and they were inside the city, and they destroyed it. It's a great image. You know, it's from classical thought. It's not from scripture, but I, but I think it's the perfect image of, of a spiritual reality that we can do all the defending we want to of this castle that is our soul, this fortress. But there's some things we can do that are kind of, you know, not too wise, not too smart, that will actually invite the enemy inside, where we're opening the door to him and saying, come on in. And those things we have to be aware of. It is a very powerful section, though it's a small one, in the Manual for Spiritual Warfare, because the focus on it is is the actual direct battle. But those Trojan horses, as you say, or as others may describe them as uh, entry points, even demonic entry points, it's important that we identify those and guard against them, isn't it? It is, because the, the temptation will be that the devil will tempt us to embrace what looks like a gift. You know, it looks like a desirable thing. But despite the attractive appearance, it's a catastrophe waiting for an invitation to invade. So it's just it's so important because, I mean, some of the things we can talk about are will actually in, just open a door to demonic activity in your life. It really is. I mean, it can begin with just even simple things, the, the images and the things we, we view with our eyes uh, in areas, whether it's horrifically violent or even areas of uh, pornography or pornographic material, that it, it doesn't have to be as explicit in the beginning, but it's like a slippery slope, isn't it? It is, in part because our... Our, our memories are such powerful things that we allow the thing in and it doesn't go back out. It stays. It's like the Trojan horse that stays behind the doors. But also um, when we get into certain, you know, a, a addictive, destructive habits, the way we're, we're hardwired, uh, given the fall now, is that uh, a little bit will satisfy for a while. 
but then it demands more. And and so we give it a little more, a little more, and it's that slippery slope you're talking about that ends up um, can start out with something so small and you end up with something so powerful. It's it's that notion of the vice again that it uh, it makes a rut in your soul so deep that it's almost impossible to get out of it. It can start very early in our lives, can it? I mean, the exposure to these Trojan horses can happen in the lives of children, it, maybe through the activities of parents, maybe just being left alone and exposed to things that seem harmless in the beginning. I do. I think especially Ouija boards. Um, I was very sad to hear that there was, uh, for Christmas shopping this year, there was this great spike in the sale of Ouija boards that probably can be attributed, in, at least in part, to some recent movie about a Ouija board. And even though the movie portrayed the Ouija board as, as this portal into something demonic, it still sparked interest on a lot of the part of a lot of people. I had one when I was a kid. I regret that day, but we we didn't realize it. But it was this fun little parlor game we thought that we brought right inside the fortress of our home, and uh, and and it wasn't a good thing. So that kind of thing, or you know, you've probably heard of the ch- children's game Bloody Mary or those kinds of things. They may seem harmless, and you may be you know some people may have done it and not expose themselves, but. I, it's happened too often. It's such a dangerous thing that we, we have to make sure that our children especially are not exposed to those. Uh, and where what our kids watch in other homes, I remember when my daughter was about four, I was in grad school, and we, we didn't even have television, and we were so careful to make sure we knew that whatever went into her mind by way of a screen was something healthy. And she went to visit with a little friend one day, and they were playing in the back of a room where the father was watching not something pornographic, but something very graphically violent. And she happened to turn right at that moment and look at the screen and see a man stab another man. And it just terrified her. She'd never seen anything like it. And it took us the longest time to help her get healed of that. So it's such a small thing, but uh, we just have to be very vigilant with our children and with ourselves. Today, Paul, I mean, our children are exposed to graphic violence on a scale that we've never really have ever experienced maybe in human tradition. I know people will bring up in conversation what ancient Rome did, but Considering how between video games, movies, television, is it any wonder that a violent surge can take over and plant itself in the hearts of our young as well as the old? And the, yeah, I mean, iPhones, you know, and pads and pods, I mean, we, we, we can bring it with us wherever we go. It's the kind of thing when, you know, when I was a child, I only dreamed of that you would have a, um, you know, Dick Tracy wristwatch that would actually have a little TV on it or something. But we've basically got that now, you know, with the images that can be wherever we are. And uh, and so it's all that harder for, for parents to track what our, what our kids are doing. Kids sending texts back and forth to each other. Uh, you know, it just goes on and on. It's uh, it's ubiquitous. What a what an assault on the family, an assault on our individual characters. Um the Trojan horses are coming in everywhere. <laughs> I think it was it attributed to St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, who it, in one of the rare instances where she actually speaks a, a prophetic message, where she had said that there, um, she had foreseen that every home would have a black box in it where the devil would have an entry point. And when she said this back, what would have been in the 1700s, if I'm not mistaken, 
Who would have thought that, indeed, we do have those kind of devices? We do. We do. And there's um, just all the more reason why we've got to be vigilant, again, for ourselves and especially for our children. Um, I I remember thinking growing up in the 50s and 60s, 60s especially, you know, after I kind of survived that and got my faith back and all those other things, I remember thinking, whew, well, I don't think my kids will have it that tough. <laughs> Silly me. Oh, my goodness. Um, it, what happened in the 60s, kid? You know, it's just a prologue to what's what's happened since then. And, uh, and again, I don't want to just lament it. You know, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And God gives us uh, the power and the graces to resist these things and overcome. And if we're damaged, to be healed. But we really have to be intentional about it. It's imperative that we have integrity. Integrity, I mean by a, a definition that that we are what we appear to be. So if we're a person who says in front of all our brothers and sisters in faith on a Sunday that we believe in things visible and invisible, that later in the week if we start to play around with New Age tarot cards, or or we enter into channeling or intuitive reading sessions or whatever they might be, that it's, don't be so quick to laugh and scoff it off as something that's just playful. Because if you really believe in the visible and the invisible, then believe also the, the teachings of how damaging that can be if we're not careful. It's in Scripture. It's in the tradition. It's in the lives of the saints. It's in my own life. During that period, I was atheist. Um, I got involved in some occult practices, um, not taking them seriously enough. I thought that maybe they were somehow pointing to unknown or unrecognized powers of the human mind. Um, so I, I went and looked into psychic research and, and some other, um, like some occult, more explicitly occult things. Um, and always thinking, yeah, whatever it is, I can control it. It's just my own mind or somebody else's own mind. Well, again, how silly could I be? Um, it was during that time that I, you know, eventually I encountered demonic powers that were, it was not Casper the Friendly Ghost. It was something out to eat my lunch and came to the place of thinking, you know, if, if there is a devil and there is no God, I'm really in trouble. And that's what's kind of sent me running back to the scripture, to Christian friends, and to begin talking to them, to be reading the scripture and saying, okay, if there is a devil, then then there's some there's a whole realm of the unseen that I wasn't even aware of. Um, I wonder what the rest of it is, <laughs> and that's ultimately a big part of what led to my conversion. An excerpt from Chapter Six of the Manual for Spiritual Warfare: Trojan Horses. Exorcists have, in fact, reported cases in which this practice and other, more obviously serious sins, have opened the gates of a soul to extraordinary demonic phenomena. Actions and activities commonly reported to have such terrifying consequences include satanic rituals, witchcraft, sorcery, and so-called white magic, participation in religious cults, occult practices such as Ouija boards and fortune-telling, seances, channeling, and other forms of necromancy, attempts to contact the dead, substance abuse, sexual sin, and abortion. Seeking the attractive gift of pleasure, power, 
secret knowledge, or in the case of abortion, even escape from responsibility. Some have committed these sins, and in doing so, have opened themselves to demonic infestation, oppression, obsession, and even possession. Blessed Pope Paul VI noted this danger when he warned that many Christians in modern times are, quote, exposing their souls, their baptized souls, visited so often by the Eucharistic presence and inhabited by the Holy Spirit to licentious sensual experiences and to harmful drugs, as well as to the ideological seductions of fashionable errors. These are cracks through which the evil one can easily penetrate and change the human mind." Unquote. If we have ever tempted to invite the enemy into our camp in any of these ways, we must recognize the adversary's deception and reject his offer firmly and immediately. And if we've ever committed such sins in the past but have never confessed them, we need to confess them to God, seeking forgiveness and healing in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. I'm so glad that you brought forward Blessed Pope Paul VI real warning to all of us in these modern times not to expose our souls. And that's that's really what we're we're talking about is protecting and not exposing your soul. It is it's like it's like throwing your armor off in the middle of a battle, you know, and throwing all your weapons down. It's you're exposing yourself. It's or to use the image from before, it's like having this carefully guarded fortress and then opening the door and saying come right on in. It's folly, to use the biblical word. It's folly. It's foolishness. It's, in some cases, presumption. If we think, oh, I can do this and it won't affect me. Uh, there's that pride again coming in and making us vulnerable because we think we can examine it or get close to it or play around with it and, and somehow we'll be exempt from, from any consequences. We'll return to Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. The Memorari Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. 
O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen. Now, there is the remedy, isn't there? And, I mean, God has a, a beautiful, wonderful open door in, in that, and, but we just have to turn it, and it's the door to forgiveness, isn't it? It's crucial to our deliverance, uh, both that we seek God's forgiveness for what we've done, but also that we s- seek um, to forgive others. St. Paul actually talks about how a, a bitter heart from someone who hasn't has failed to forgive gives the devil a foothold in our lives. So if if we've done these things, we need to seek forgiveness in, re, in the sacrament of reconciliation. If we've aided others in these things, we need to uh, have them forgive us or seek their forgiveness. And we need to forgive others who have may have, have harmed us in some way, especially, you know, for some of us who um, may have been injured as children uh, spiritually in certain ways. It's so important that we learn, however difficult it may be, to forgive offenders uh, so that we can be free. Again, you've outlined many of the Trojan horses in the Manual for Spiritual Warfare. If you are out there and you're listening to this and you've, whether experienced something you feel has been, as Paul has called them, the Trojan horse, something that has allowed this crack so the evil one can get in, please do seek out to go to your local parish, find a priest, uh, maybe a deacon or some holy people that you know to be able to help you to be able to begin to heal those wounds, to find that peace, especially if you feel you can't do it alone. It's so important. The... um... The church is like a field hospital <laughs> for sinners, you know. It's uh, it's that place where we where we go to to be healed, and and God has a medical staff there of all kinds of folks, and both the obvious ones, the clergy, but also uh, others that we may be surprised to find out can help us with the healing. But but I think the first thing we have to do in in uh, the sacrament of reconciliation is to to admit that what we did was was wrong and dangerous, to confess it, and to renounce it. That's an important thing. Not just to say, yeah, I shouldn't have done it, but to say, and I don't tend ever to do that again, or else we'll be opening the door all over again. It's important that we see that, when we mentioned this earlier, that it's not just about necessarily the big sins. 
or the big, those, those vices that have become just leviathans in our life. We have to be very careful of what St. Teresa of Avila referred to as those poisonous little reptiles that, that creep around. And what is she alluding to there? Well, it's it's such a great image, and you know, I think it's probably at least in part connected to the proverb in the book of Proverbs that talks about some things that are small, but it says exceedingly wise. You could also say crafty, and and then it mentions a particular lizard. You can take a lizard in your hands. You know, it's that small, but it finds its way into king's palaces. It can find its way through the little cracks, and and that's such a a great image because the the, the kind of little sins that we think are maybe inconsequential that find our way into our hearts, we may ignore them or think of them as, as unimportant while we're standing guard over the more carefully constructed fortifications of our spiritual life. But they still bear the image of their father, the ancient serpent. They're those little reptiles. And when she warned against them, she you know, talked about the, the temptations of ordinary demonic activity, guarding our thoughts, rejecting immediately any thought that leads to sin that can lead us astray. I've, you know, often thought about how you can you could sink a battleship with a teaspoon. You can do that by getting a teaspoon of, of ocean water and putting it inside the battle uh, the uh, the battleship and then doing it again and then doing it again and doing it again. There's a cumulative effect to these little things so that ultimately even a teaspoon of water at a time multiplied enough times will sink the battleship. And it's you know it's not to it's not to make people worried all the time or anxious, but simply to say that um, even if we're not aware of, of these major things, that it's so important to go to the sacrament of reconciliation frequently, to confess even the smaller sins. Sometimes in doing that, we'll see there are larger problems behind it. And sometimes we'll just learn that uh, it's something we need to be freed of if we don't want it to accumulate until the battle battleship sinks. Fight the good fight. Begin again. If you've fallen, get back up. Keep going. Uh, that's essential, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I, we, I know it's been used a lot, but what's some other Teresa's words about not being called to be successful but faithful? Um, I think it applies in a lot of ways. So that, for instance, we don't fall into the trap of wanting to be successful in the eyes of the world, the way the world defines it. But, but also too, on you know, a given day, we may feel okay. We failed. We weren't successful in living rightly today. But faithfulness is the important thing. You get back up again. And you go again to confession and you go again to the Lord and you say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm turning it over to you again. That's, that's just how it works in this world and uh, in, in this fallen world and with concupiscence. For sh- if we don't get back up again, for sure, we're going to lose. That's, that's given. The only hope we have is of just getting up again, getting up again, and going on again. And we have all these wonderful words from our Lord and examples from scripture of uh, of how those who, who did come to God for forgiveness were forgiven and started all over again. From the teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola, as found in the Manual for Spiritual Warfare. Note well Lucifer's tricks and the three ordinary degrees of temptation. First, he catches souls by the love of riches. Next, he throws them into the paths of ambition. Then, from ambition to pride, a bottomless abyss from which all vices rise as from their font. 
See with what patience and acts of zeal the ministers of Lucifer execute the task imposed on them by their master, how they make everything lead to the one goal, the ruin of souls. Defects of the understanding, inclinations of the heart, the character, the passions, the habits, the faults, even the virtues and divine graces. Finally, contemplate the success of hell in its undertaking. How many fools are taken in these snares every day? How many blindly throw themselves in? How many who, not content to allow themselves to be seduced, seek also to seduce their brethren? Look at yourself. Be astonished at having given way so often and so easily to the temptations of the enemy. Weep over your folly and your past weakness, and resolve to be wiser and more courageous for the future. There's a wonderful Monsignor I know that at that fourth station of the cross and his reflections, it's where the Blessed Virgin encounters her son, Jesus. What he actually envisions the Blessed Virgin doing is actually going to her son, looking him in the face and saying, get up, get up, son, you're almost done. You can do this. And that's what she is for us, too, in this fight. You know, I'm convinced one of the reasons that, that our Lord brought Our Lady into heaven, you know, sooner into heaven and crowned her, is not just because she merited those things through his grace, that it was fitting, but um, it was for our sake. You know, she, if the time comes, we've fallen and we're just, we're close to despair and saying, you know, I'm only human or whatever. I'm, yeah, Jesus could beg it, but he was God. You know, am I ever going to make it to heaven? Is this really going to happen? Um, we looked to Our Lady, and there she is, the shining example that she was just human. She was perfectly human. And um, and she did have the victory. She did crush the serpent beneath her heel. And by her example, then, uh, she gives us she gives us the grace to just keep on. It's as if in her example, she is saying to us, get up, keep going, you can do this. You're going to follow in my footsteps. Keeping the eye on the prize. That's very important. we got to remember forever when we talk about why were we created to know him, love him, serve him, to be happy with him forever in the next, in our next life, in heaven. That's why we keep getting up, isn't it? If it were just going to end, it would seem fruitless, wouldn't it? St. Paul's words, as usual, you know, are so good here. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. How or, or you know, what enables you to do that? Then he goes on to say, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, he said to Timothy. You grasp that eternal life. You grasp the beatific vision, so to speak, in your, in your hope. You know that's, that if you keep going one day, you will not just be more than a conqueror, but you will see your commander and king face to face. And with that hope as a helmet on your head, then you can aim, as St. As Paul says, at righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. You can fight the good fight of faith. You know, even Jesus, oh my goodness, the book of Hebrews is so wonderful that way when it talks about how that our Lord, um, for the joy set before him, endured endured the cross, despised the shame, and won, and was seated at the right hand of the Father. 
I mean, think about that. That's how he was able to endure the cross was because he was looking at the joy set before him of being once again in the bosom of his father in his joy and in his glory. And so we, we're called, that's why Hebrews writes about it, the author of Hebrews writes about it, so that we can imitate that. For the joy set before us, we too can endure the cross and despise the shame and win the race that's ahead of us. Wow, very powerful. Any final thoughts on this particular section, Paul? Diligence is important, but also forgiveness is key, forgiving ourselves, going to God for forgiveness, forgiving others, and then endurance, uh, perseverance. Uh, fortitude, I guess, is, is another word for it, that we keep fighting the good fight. It's There are times when it will seem so dark and we'll feel so defeated, times when we'll be ready to give up. But those are the times when we cry out for help to God and to Our Lady and to the saints, to the angels, and we'll make it. We'll make it. From a letter from St. Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 6. Be strengthened in the Lord in the might of his power. Put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness on high. Therefore, take up the armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil every day and stand in all things perfect. Stand, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of justice and having your feet shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace, in all things taking up the shield of faith with which you may be able to quench all fiery darts of the most wicked one. And take for yourself the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God. With all prayer and supplication, pray at all times in the Spirit, and be vigilant in all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You've been listening to Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thigpen. To hear and or to download this episode along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or download the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen.